Man, you ever just feel extremely amped to do something? I'm amped to preach today, I'm telling you. And, um, and just, I don't know if it's just me thinking about next week's coming, but I'm just excited about it. And, um, and also, I, I think part of it is it's the close of our series. How many enjoyed this Element series? It's been good, amen. How many enjoyed Pastor Brantley last week? boy can bring the word, you know. I love it. 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 Here, here's the thing. Yesterday, I thought, I want to see what the weather is going to look like on Easter, and don't do that. Just don't. Just don't. So I go, hey, Siri. Hey, Siri, what, what, what's the weather going to look like on Easter? And he goes, better have an umbrella. And I was like, I bind and rebuke you in the name of Jesus, thou foul spirit of precipitation, come out. And um, I got real Pentecostal on it. And so I, I'm serious. I want you guys to um, put your hands to the heavens all week. Jesus, give us good weather. We hold back the prince and powers of the air of precipitation. And we just we need good weather next Sunday. We can't wait. Now, if for some reason there's not, please be looking at the website. We'll have a contingency plan. Everything's in place to come back here, all right? And so, but a couple thousand people in this place is going to be crazy. And so, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I want you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 6, and we're going to get started today in the last of this series. And there's some series for me that are like children, okay? Just, you know, you love your kids and you want to see them gone, right, Adelie? You want to see Adelie go. I mean, you want to see your children go, Adelie. We want to see her get away, Adelie. No, no, I, I would love to keep her home forever, you know, but that's not the will of the Lord, all right? So all you adult parents of 27 and 28-year-olds living in the basement, elbow them. That's not the will of the... No, I'm sorry. But when it comes down to it, sermons are a lot of times series, especially like children. And, and I hate to see them go sometimes. And this is one of those, okay? This is something you will hear me preach again probably four or five years from now. I don't know. I just love the idea of the four cups. I love the movement of God in people's lives and what that looks like. And I want Momentum Church to be a four-cup church. Amen? I want us to be a place that celebrates salvation, but I don't want to stop with the cup of salvation. I want us to be a people who celebrate life change, and we see deliverance take place in our lives, and we don't bring judgment as we're changing, but we exhort. We spurn each other on to grow. We don't go, yeah, yeah, you're awful sinner. I'm an awful sinner. God bless us both. You know, we go, yeah, man, all we can do as we grow, we gotta grow. Come on, let's grow, Eddie. Let's do it. Let's do all we can do as we grow in the things of the Lord. But when we struggle, we're there for each other, and we don't put each other down. Why? Because we're also drinking deeply from the cup of redemption. Last week, Pastor Brantley taught about value that comes because God himself placed that value on you. And so we celebrate the value in each other as we're growing. And then today, we're going to look at a cup called the cup of fulfillment, or another word for it is the cup of Hallel. The cup of Hillel. So I want you to stand to your feet. And I want to read Exodus chapter 6, this verse we've been bouncing back to every week. It says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I'll bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And this is the four I wills that are celebrated in the Passover meal. When you have a Seder, which just means order, when you have the order of that service, that time of Passover with your family, you look at these four I wills. 
It says, I'm the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. So you have the cup of salvation. I will save you from the bondage of the Egyptians. And then it goes on, and I will deliver you with an outstretched arm. I find value in you. You're my, my chosen people. And watch, it says, I will take you to be my people, and I'll be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you out into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. Shout, it's mine. It's mine. Man, God has things for you, amen? You're his people, you're his people, you're his children, and he's bringing you into what's yours, amen? And part of the process of walking into what's yours is drinking deeply from every one of these cups. I don't know about you, but some of y'all, man, you wouldn't have left a single thing on the bar left undrunk at one time. If it was there, it was going down. I want you to get that way with the things of, the, of Jesus, amen? The things of the Spirit. I want you to go, you know what? The Bible says don't be drunk, you know, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, there's nothing in this world that will satisfy but drink deep. Shout drink deep. When it comes to things of God, man, walk in that salvation. Enjoy that deliverance. Walk in that redemption. And today, man, we're going to walk in some fulfillment. We're going to see that here in a second. And so let's just pray. Father, right now, as we come into this last day of this series, I ask that you would just um, quicken our hearts, that you would just anoint my lips, God. Um, allow us to hear what you say, Jesus, not what, what I have here, God, but what you've prepared in me. And so we just love you, Lord. We thank you that you're a God that loves us enough to take us on a journey and to bring us into a land that you have for us to possess. Lord, there's marriages here today. That's the land, healthy marriage. That's the land that they're going to possess. There's people here today that, that a life free from addiction, that's the land that you're calling them to possess. There's people here today, God, that a life with peace, in spite of turmoil, that's the land that you're calling them to possess. And Jesus, today, we praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. Look around this room. I'm going to tell you right now, last week was spring break front side. This week is spring break back side. And this house is pleasantly full. Come on. That's awesome. That's not, I'm serious. I'm not, usually, man, we'll be like 150 people less. But I think it's just so, to me, it's just people are hungry. Just hungry. Wondering what God has. Amen. And so it's always more fun to preach to people than seats. So. <laughs> When I read this passage years ago, the Lord just prompted in my heart that it is so good that he is the God of the I wills. I will save and I will deliver. And some of you need to hear that today. He's the God of the I wills. He's not the God of the I might. He's not the God of the I won'ts. He's not the God of the maybes, you know. He is the God of the I wills. And if you're here today and you need saved, he will save you. You know, if you're here today and there's bondage issues, you know, he will set you free. I love Pastor Brantley's sermon yesterday about value, or last Sunday about value. You know, if you doubt, I doubt myself my whole life. Nobody believes that. But I walk in that in my life, always going, when's the shoe going to drop? When is this failure going to, not failure like morally, but when, it, when are people going to realize that I don't have the goods? And most people in the room have said for years, he don't have the goods. And I'm glad because Jesus does. 
But that's, that's something that is that value. Man, I struggle with that. Have my whole life. But then I think to myself, God, I want to be fulfilled. I want to walk his praise unto you. And so I'm going to do it anyhow. I'm just going to walk anyhow. Through every doubt, through every fear from those four cups, you know. And somehow, some way, only shout only Jesus. Jesus does it. He does, and this coming Sunday is going to be a mark that Jesus does it. In spite of ourselves, he can do great and mighty things when we lift him up. Amen? And so he is the God of the I wills. And, and, and that alone is enough to give him praise. Amen? That alone is enough to drink deeply from the cup of Hallel. Now that word Hallel, you've heard before. You sang it today. It means praise, and it's the beginning of the word, hallelujah. Everybody say it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That means praise to God or praise to Yah, praise to God. And so hallel, you're familiar with it. It means praise. And this cup of fulfillment, this cup of praise is the fourth and final cup. I will take you to be my people. Now, if you're his people, you have a purpose. Okay, I'll take you to be my people. I will be your God. And I love this. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In other words, I'm going to do some stuff in and through your life. Is that good? I'm going to do some stuff in and through your life. And when God starts to do some stuff, guess what happens? People start to praise him. I mean, we ought to praise him because he's God all by himself. But I don't know about you, when the bank tells me that there's enough finances this week for some reason when I didn't think there was and I get to pay my rent, you know? Man, there was times in my young life, thank you, Jesus. The first church I worked at, my pastor and I, man, there was about $200 worth of bills we needed to take care of that week, you know? And we're both leaning against the wall in the foyer, and we're, I don't know why, we're just sitting on the ground, and we're our backs against the wall, and we're just talking, and God, we know that you have your hand on this church. We know you're doing a work, and all of a sudden, the chute in that little burg that we lived in, that little Wrightsville, Pennsylvania, the chute in the front door, because that's where the mailman put his mail through, next thing you know, mail comes flying into the foyer and lays there on the front, you know, right in we grabbed the mail. We start opening envelopes. To the dollar amount that we needed that week, there it was. You know? Man, I can, and I can't tell you how many times in my life I've seen that. And that elicits praise. It elicits appreciation to God. But when it comes down to it, man, he's God all by himself. He's worthy of praise. But when he does something in you and through you, he gets praise. All right? He gets praise for what he's doing in you. But he also gets praise when you're walking. Listen. In fulfillment. All right, we're gonna look here in a little bit of what it means to be fulfilled, what that looks like. But I wanna do something real quick because I think it's always good to go back to Jesus. And when the Israel came out of Egypt, 1500 years later, you see Jesus celebrating Passover, you know? And they're in the upper room and they're having Passover in this room. And while they're having Passover, you know, they take the bread, they break the bread, the Bible says. You know, that's part of Passover. It comes to a point after supper that they took the cup. And he said, this is the blood of my covenant. This is, this is my blood that is poured out for you. And so he likens himself to the Paschal lamb or that Passover lamb, that lamb of redemption. He says, this is me. And they drink that cup. And then there's a fourth cup that they don't drink. He says, I won't drink this cup until we're in heaven. That's that cup of fulfillment. That's this cup of Hillel. But it says this, that they sang hymns 
And then they left and went to the Mount of Olives. And as they go to the Mount of Olives, shortly thereafter, they go to Gethsemane. And you know that he prays. And then the guards come and they take him. And it begins the whole process that leads up to his crucifixion. I don't want it to be lost on you, all right? This cup of Hillel, this idea of Hillel. Say Hillel. I don't want to be lost on you. Because it says that they sang a hymn and then they went. Now, can we today sing that hymn? Yes, we can. Isn't that cool? If you have your Bibles with you, I'm not going to read all these scriptures. We'll put a few up. But what is called the Hallel is Psalms 113 through 118. All those psalms together is the Hallel. And different groups of Jewish people throughout history sing it in different ways. Some will sing a, a 13, 113 in the, before the meal, and then they'll sing the rest after. Some will do maybe two, and at the end they'll do the rest after. But that 113 to 118 is the, it's called the Hallel, and they'll chant it, and it's a, it's a song, but it's a chanting song, and they'll, they'll sing, the, you think we sing a long time, and they'll sing through the Hallel, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. If you ever want to just be reminded about God, read 113 through 118, and then when that comes to the end, they will read 136, not always, but some will do what's called the Great Hallel, and that's 136, and and we'll, we'll hit that here in a second. But what I want us to do today is just look at a few verses. Let me turn to Psalms 113. I kind of want to get our, our, our praise muscle, I guess. Is that a weird way of saying it? Engaged, you know? Just get our heart in line with praising the things of God. And so in 113, let's just look at a few verses. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. That's how it starts. That's a good place to start. You know, we have been in bondage all these years, but God, you've been with us the whole time. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise all servants of the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's good. Amen. We're going to come back to servants. Say servants. Okay, we're going to come back. There's a key to that. Let's go to 114. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from the people of strange language, it says Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. In other words, the nation of Israel, God came to dwell with. He didn't take them into the wilderness to walk them toward their complete victory and left them alone. This is saying when God let us out, he went with us. There's some people in this room right now, God's leading you into some things toward your promise, toward your thing to possess, and you worry or you wonder, is God going to be with us? Yeah, 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 he dwelled with Judah, you know? He, he was right there with them, and he became their sanctuary. Right there, was, he was sanctuary. He, he, he dwelt amongst them. Verse 1 of 115, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. There's a key here, Hallel, the cup of Hallel. But it's also called the cup of fulfillment. And there's some keys in this, okay? This is the Psalms of Hallel. This is the, the longer chant that Jesus would have sung at the end of that, that meal. But to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Aren't you glad that I'm not singing the whole thing, right? All right, we got to keep preaching. In 116, it says this in verse 12. What shall I render to the Lord? For all his benefits to me. Wait a second here. Well, there's something for me to do too? I'm, I'm not just to consume. I'm to contribute as well. Yeah. Praise will always pull contribution out of you. If it doesn't, you're a spoiled, rotten child. How many's ever been spoiled, rotten? 
me too, me too. But it says, I will lift up the cup of salvation, and I'll call upon the name of the Lord, and I'll pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In Psalms 117, it says, Praise the Lord, all the nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is the steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Verse 118, chapter 118, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, can you all say it with me? His steadfast love endures forever. Let's say it one more time. His Now, if you go to Psalm 136, if you like the idea of his steadfast love and just hearing that, 26 times in the great Hallel, in the book, Psalms 136, it'll say an attribute of God or a thing that God does, and then it just says his steadfast love endures forever. And then another good thing, and his steadfast love endures. That is one of my favorite words in Hebrew, chesed, C-H-E-S-E-D. I didn't put it on the screen, but chesed, that is what it means by that loving kindness, or some translations say mercy. Some translations here, the ESV, the English Standard Version, says steadfast love. But in the Hebrew, it's chesed, and it's one of my favorite words. And it's this idea of not just showing love or kindness or mercy to someone because you just want to, but no, because there's a covenant relationship. I am bound to you. And because I'm bound, every bit of my love and my, my faithfulness and all that I have is yours. In the New Testament, the word is translated grace. And so in the Old Testament, as I said, in the New Testament, or, or, or loving kindness or mercy, but in the New Testament, you'll see the same idea. In Greek, it's translated for us, it comes out as grace. Isn't that awesome? That's how you're connected to God. You're so bound. So they get to sing this. Every Passover at the end, they sing all these verses. It's a beautiful chant. If you ever want to hear it, go on. You go to YouTube and look up Hillel. I'll guarantee you, you'll find a whole bunch of Jewish men and women singing this song, okay? And it goes on a long, long, long time. Okay. <laughs> so this is, this is not only, though, about what God wants to do with us that evokes praise, okay? Because as you read that, obviously there's things that God wants to do in us that evokes praise from us, but it's also about what God wants to do through us that evokes the praise of others towards him. As you read the Hillel, you'll begin to see through those psalms of worship that it's a people of God connected to God, and God's greatness is being extolled throughout the nations. Why? Because people see the hand of God upon God's people. People see the God working in and through his people. And that hasn't changed. Not 3,500 years later from the time of Passover to now, that's still the case. And I love that Jesus, just shortly after his, his time of communion, with his, his time of Passover with his disciples, he would be captured and judged and mocked and crucified. But before all that, Jesus goes, let's sing first. Let's see. God, I know all this is coming. It's in the Father's will. I submit myself freely. It's time to sing of the goodness of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? And so he leads his disciples in singing this great hymn that we just read portions from. Now, he said he wouldn't drink of that last cup until he was in heaven. And so, yes, he did not drink that cup of fulfillment that night. But listen, his life poured out brought fulfillment of the law. 
so that your sins could be forgiven and you could live a life in praise of God and praise to God. Isn't that awesome? So what I want us to be is people who drink deeply from this cup of fulfillment. I want us to be a people that drink deeply from this cup of Hallel. And I'm just going to say one thing when it comes to the idea of praise and worship. I love that Momentum Church is starting to get marked by a spirit of worship, you know? I don't want us to fake it till we make it. I, I, there's just something tangible and real as people are pressing into the presence of God. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I, I do, I want us to drink deep from the cup of fulfillment. When I say the word fulfillment, your mind doesn't think praise, though. Your mind thinks what do I do in life that makes me fulfilled? You know, your mind thinks, okay, fulfillment, praise, how are those connected? And we're going to connect those as we go on here in a little bit. But, but let me ask this question. How can I find fulfillment in life? Has anyone ever thought that, wondered that? How do I find fulfillment in life? You know? I mean, more money? More honey? You just got elbowed, gentlemen. No. And so the cup of Hillel, the cup of fulfillment, I think it points to some things because you don't drink the fourth cup until you have fully partaken of those other three. The promise of salvation, the promise of deliverance, the promise that you have value or redemption that leads you to a place of saying, okay, God, now use me. You see what I'm saying? But I don't feel like I'm worth it. It don't matter. You saved? Is there breath in your lungs? Everybody breathe in deep. And exhale, right? Remember? And exhale. Receive. And give back out. That's all that it takes to walk in the success of a Christian life. And, and so that promise of you are saved. You are walking in deliverance. You are valued. And because of that, God wants to do something in and through me. Last Sunday was a beautiful expression of that. As Pastor Brantley preached People began to pray for each other up here at the altar, and we felt led that when one young man prayed for, when we prayed for a young man up here, you remember Travis with all the tattoos and everything, we prayed for Travis, and I looked at Travis, I said, Travis, you're going to pray for, I think the next person was Miguel, you're going to pray for Miguel. Oh, okay. There's value on your life, now use it. And he began to speak life to Miguel. It was awesome. And Miguel began to speak life to Bill, and Bill began to speak life. I think it was Tyler. And, 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 oh, my word, I love that. Don't wait till you got it all figured out to start to be able to be used by God. Even in the stuff that you're dealing with, God will use that. Isn't that cool? Only Jesus can use a messed up tool. That didn't sound right. <laughs> Been called that a few times. <laughs> That was bad. Okay, so let's keep it, keep it PG. All right, so, but no, only Jesus can use you messed up. But in the hands of the master craftsman, oh, my word, he can fashion something that will point to God. He can fashion something not only in your life that people go, oh, my Lord, you're a mess. But look what God's doing in and through you. Look how God's working his goodness out in you. And the next thing you know, God starts to take that encouragement and starts to fulfill that other person with his work in their life. And guess who gets the praise? You, eh, maybe a little. Thank God for what God's doing through Kim. It may come across that way, but it's always thank God what God is doing through Kim. I see God's hand upon her and how God is doing a work in her. And because of that, I know God can do a work in me. And praise goes back to Him. And when you start to move in that flow, you can't help to feel fulfilled. Amen? It gets addicting. So there was this hint 
when you, when you, you, you um, um, read the Psalms 113, that first verse, there was this hint that I gave you about a servant. It says, praise the Lord, praise those servants of the Lord. And, and a passage of scripture that I love, it's in Isaiah 49. Let's turn over there. And this is just going to start leading us into understanding fulfillment in our life. Isaiah 49. I told my wife, I said, baby, I got so much scripture today. And she's like, okay. She said, don't. But she kind of teased me about it. But I do. I got a lot of word today, and that's okay. And so um, go down here to verse, let's go to verse 3. It says, and he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Do you see that? Just stop there for a second. You're my servant in whom I'll be glorified. A servant is one who looks to the master and says, may it be to you according to you. Whatever you say, I'm your servant, right? And here he looks to Israel. You're my servant in whom who will be glorified? You? No, no, no. In whom I will be glorified. So as we act as servants of the Lord, as we begin to take deeply of this cup of praise, because when you praise, man, you realize that everything in my life is to bring honor and glory to him. When I start to partner with that, he gets praised and I get fulfilled. Is that a nice? I don't think there's an accident there why it's called the cup of fulfillment. And the cup of praise. Look here at 6b, the last part of that scripture. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This week, as we get ready for Easter, God will make you a light for Woodstock, Ackworth, Canton, Kennesaw, Marietta, even Macedonia, way up yonder. You don't even know where that's at. You know, white. On the other side, you know, I mean, way up there. <coughs> I will make you a light. I'll bring salvation to the ends of Cherokee County, to the ends of, of Cobb County, to the ends of, I don't know, if, I don't think Pickens, that's a little too far. But still, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'll, I'll be a light, and we'll bring salvation. And that's what you're going to do. Isn't that cool? Don't tell me that's not fulfilling. As Pastor Stephanie said in that video, you invite somebody, and they come, and there's life change that takes place. Oh, my goodness, that's fulfilling, you know. There's different ones in here that Amy and I have reached through the years just outside the four walls, and then we've seen them grow inside the four walls of the church, and God's used them to touch other people's lives. Nothing more fulfilling than that. Nothing. Maybe seeing your own children definitely grow to love Jesus and be used by God. That's probably just a little more fulfilling. But beyond that, nothing, nothing more fulfilling than that. And so you will find fulfillment in life when you bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That's why we do missions as a church. I don't think there's anything more fulfilling as a church than knowing that we're taking the word around the world. That's why 10%, what's funny is the first two months of this year, January, February, nearly 25% of every dime that came in this place went out to missions and benevolence. What in the world? That's crazy. Obviously, that'll, that'll back, back, be balanced out to about 10 12, 15%. But, but man, I'm just so proud of this place because you're realizing what it takes to really walk in the praise of God and fulfillment of life, you know? And so the thing we've been saying is that we're saved to save, that we're changed to change. Every one of these cups we drink from and then we offer it to another, that we are valued to value people, redeemed to redeem. And then today I want you to see that fulfilled people, they inspire people. You know, they really do. And we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get there. But the path throughout Scripture, you're going to see this path over and over throughout Scripture. Moses was saved 
You know, when I say saved, he was going to be strung up because of what had happened there in Egypt. And he goes away, he's saved. And then as he's saved, he's delivered. Then he is, finds his purpose there with the burning bush. And then he comes back and does a work as unto the Lord. We see that through the nation of Israel. We see that through people like Paul in the New Testament. I mean, that's just the story of how God does. He brings us out. He begins to set us free. He begins to do a work in us and causes us to realize our purpose and value. And then we move in praise to him by serving him with everything that we have. I believe Jewish people have a good grasp of this. You know, different ones I've talked to and different families I've heard stories from, very young, they're taught to exist to make a contribution to society, you know, to be able to bring value. And I don't think it's a surprise. You ready for this? The Nobel Prizes, there's been 881 individual Nobel Prizes that have been given out since the Nobel Prizes began, 881. Of those, 196, that's literally 22.2%, were people that were Jewish or people with Jewish descent that received those prizes. Can you believe that? Now, let me give you this so it makes it a little bit more astounding, okay? Now, listen, I, I know you're going, okay, yeah, but, but no, no, this is God's people still. God's still doing a work in and through them around the world, you know? Pray for the salvation of Israel, Amen. Pray for Jewish people by the groves to find Jesus as the Messiah. But when it comes down to it, we see God's hand still blessing, still on them in so many ways. Now watch this. It wouldn't be wild if 22.2% of the Jewish population or of Jewish people um, were, were making up the Nobel Prize winners if the percentage worldwide of Jewish people was a, an astronomical number. But it's 0.2% of the world are Jewish people. So 0.2%... Now, here's what's beautiful about that. Do you know you're grafted in in the New Testament? Man, we are the apple of God's eye as well. Amen? And so I believe God expects and demands great things to come from his church. Who else will rise up but his church? Amen? And so I believe when we do that, fulfillment comes. And so from early on, they're taught to be consumers, not contributors. And so what about you? Let me ask. Do you desire to drink deeply from these four cups? And no longer live for self, but live for Christ. Live for the glory of God and for the good of others. That's really what it looks like to drink deeply from that cup of fulfillment, that cup of praise. To be able to be people that are saved, delivered, valued, and then moving in that idea of fulfillment, being used by God. So praise comes to God through your life and from the lips of others because of your life. And when that happens, I believe it inspires people, fulfilled people inspire people when you walk that way it breathes life inspiration just literally means the breath of god i don't know if you knew that but that's what inspiration means that you see the breath of god and god blows we've been talking about this breath god blows into people's lives when you do as god's called you to do and reach people amen but i'm afraid i get it the holy spirit will help you yeah, you will. Last night, we were out handing out invite cards just on the street, me, Mac, and Arden, you know? And, um, and I'm telling you, when you got a baby in the arms and a little five-year-old handing you a card, you ain't saying no. That's my evangelistic technique. So, so this week, if you want to go invite people to church on the street, I will loan you Arden and Mac. <laughs> that was funny. So... Um, but we say around here that inspirational generosity is one of our core values, that we reflect the character of Christ in everything that we do, 
And that's not just money, but I believe being inspiring in the generosity of our time and our interest to touch people's lives, invite people, and so on. And, and so Jesus, man, he's inspiring, isn't he? Isn't he inspiring? You know, I want to reflect that in my world. His love inspires. Yeah, it does. His ability to heal inspires. His peace in the midst of the storm inspires. You know what I love about Jesus? He said, my peace I leave with you. What kind of peace is that? Oh, that's just comfort for my heart? No, no. It's stand in the midst of the storm kind of peace, and I leave it with you. It's in the midst of the fire kind of peace, and I leave it with you. It's don't be afraid of any naysayer or anybody kind of peace, and I leave it with you. I love it. That's what I need to hear because your pastor doesn't have it without what Jesus has. Not good enough. I, Brantley blows my mind. He can memorize that whole sermon. There ain't no way. We will be here two hours if I just preach off the cuff. He doesn't preach off the cuff. He prepares, but he studies. He, I'm enamored by that. I think it's the most amazing. 25 years, it's not going to happen. Or we'll be here for two hours. I'm telling you, I, I will preach. If I'm not looking at this, I will preach a lot of stuff because everything's in my head going, who'll go this way? Who'll go that way? Who'll go that way? <laughs> but listen, guys, just like there was an enemy coming against Israel so many years ago, the Egyptians, there's an enemy 3,500 years later that comes against us that's trying to keep us from walking in the fulfillment of God, that fulfillment God has for you, what he wants to do. Why? Because the devil doesn't want the ones who God has set his affections on to be blessed or for them to be a blessing, period. And so I want to challenge us to be people that won't live for ourselves but live for God. And as we close this series, I want to challenge us to remove from ourselves that which would keep us from being whom God desires. Throughout Scripture, the symbol of sin, the symbol of that which keeps us from God's best is leaven, okay? We're going to take communion. Everybody get your communion cups out. The Jewish people do an amazing thing right before Passover. They would begin to take and go all through the house and remove everything that's leaven, anything that has leaven in it, anything that has yeast in it. They're, they're looking for it, and they're ridding their house of it. They even play a game with it. When it comes time, they, they go with, like the kids will take flashlights and a little spoon, a little feather, and they push up the, 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 any breadcrumbs. And usually parents will leave out some breadcrumbs just, just to give them something to find, too, you know. And, but they're getting the leaven out, you know. And, and, and I'm, I don't want to go much longer, but i got to show you this. This is the coolest thing. Matthew chapter 16. I told you I had some, some word today. Matthew chapter 16. <laughs> it says this. I'm going to do a Pastor Brantley. I like how he did that. It's not up there. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> Matthew chapter 16. <laughs> Hey, I feel like Brantley now. <laughs> it says, when the disciples reached the other side, they'd forgotten to bring any bread. This is right after the feeding of the 5,000, okay? They didn't bring none with them. I love it. And um, Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus flips it on them. They're worried about physical food. And all of a sudden, Jesus sees an opportunity to teach into his knuckleheads. And he says, watch out for leaven. The leaven of who? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they began to discuss it among themselves, saying, we brought no bread? You know, it's, it's, wait a second. No, we're, Jesus is like, no, you're not getting it. I'm trying to teach you something. I feel better. Because sometimes I'm looking out going, they're not getting it. If Jesus had the same response once in a while, it's okay if I have the same response, right? 
And so it goes on. We brought no bread, but Jesus, aware of this, said, Oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing amongst yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Go on to the next. Or the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand? I did not speak about bread. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Let me hit two quick things. The enemies of the gospel. The enemies of the gospel. And then we're going to repent, amen, of these enemies. And we're going to take communion. The Pharisees were a people that were all about self-righteousness. That was their their bent. Follow the rules and God will be pleased with you. And man, they followed the rules like nobody else. Just ask them. (laughs) Right? That was the Pharisees, right? The Sadducees, they did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe that you would die and be able to spend a life in heaven. That basically when you died, that was it. And there's always been a joke for years. That's why they're called the sad Jews. Because they, they just, there's nothing after this. But because of that thought that there's no resurrection, they lived very self-indulgent lives. And so the Pharisees were following the law and being so careful. And then the Sadducees were very self-indulgent. Listen, they spent everything on themselves. They, 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 that's just their flow. So the two primary enemies of the gospel of Jesus, of getting the word out. That's what we're talking about next week, getting the word out. The two primary gospels are self-righteousness and self-indulgence. And that is exactly what Jesus was trying to get across to his disciples. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the Sadducees. They have leaven. They have something in their life that's growing up and it's not representing God, you know. And so we've got to be careful in our own lives of that. Too good to be used by God or too busy to be used by God. I don't know how you want to look at that. I would ask you this week to take time and pray about that. Lord, show me where I'm too self-righteous and show me where I am too self-indulgent because what Jesus showed his disciples was this, be in self-denial. Be in self-denial. Why? Because that's what servants do. Amen? Whatever you say, Master, that's your will. Self-denial. And that's what God wants. He wants us to surrender our life to the Lord Jesus And so let's stand to our feet. These guys that Jesus was teaching, his disciples, they weren't getting it either. Just like us, at times we don't get it, but Jesus just keeps helping them. Thank God. If you're here today, you're going, I'm not getting it. That's all right. Jesus' guys didn't either, you know. But he kept working with them. And shortly thereafter, they changed the known world. And I believe this is a room full of people who, who can change the climate of this area. Amen? Amen? That's who God has in this house. I believe with all my heart. And so with that in mind, we're going to take our cup of Passover today. And this for us today is representing all those cups of salvation, of deliverance, of redemption, and of praise or fulfillment. So I want you to take the top off. There's an old hymn of the church. And it says this. It says, rise up, O men of God have done with lesser things give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the king of kings i'm not sure what lesser things might be in your life but as we take this bread that was broken for you 
can we today just lay that at the cross? God, my self-righteousness. God, my self-indulgence. I lay it. You were good enough to deny yourself life. You were good enough to put yourself there for my transgressions. You were bruised for my iniquities. Chastisement so that I could walk in that peace that you left me with. It was upon you and by your stripes I'm healed. So if you would, take that. Jesus, right now, this bread represents your body. And we are a people that will rise up above our self-indulgence and our self-righteousness. And we choose to model our Savior, you, and walk in self-denial. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take. When they were finished with the meal, the Bible talks about him taking that next cup. That was actually the third cup in the meal. It was the cup of redemption, his salvation. And that's why he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is the blood of the new covenant. This, this is what will save you. <coughs> the whole book of Hebrews deals with Jesus as the better sacrifice. We're starting a new series the week after Easter called Better. We're going to help you learn what it takes to take your good life and make it great. Amen? Jesus always brings something better. And this symbolizes that. But, but listen, that, that, that song that I started with, it goes on. It says, rise up, O men of God. You hear this? The church for you doth wait. Her strength unequal to her task, rise up and make her great. Watch, lift high the cross of Christ, tread where his feet have trod, as brothers of the Son of God, rise up, O men of God. That blood shed for you was shed so that you could rise up. Jesus, as we partake of this, Lord God, we choose to lay our lives before you. And we ask for the power and anointing of your presence and your Holy Spirit to cause us to rise up as light to the nations. That we could walk in such a way that praise comes back to you. Lord, nothing more fulfilling than that. You shed your blood so that we could have life and life abundant. And Lord God, today we partner with that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would. Amen. <clears throat> and so what I want you to do as you leave here today, grab these off your seat right now. We're going to pray, and then Pastor Brantley's going to dismiss us. There's five cards, five responsibilities, five lives, five families maybe even, maybe even more than five lives. This week, be responsible to partner in the flow of God that's been happening for 3,500 years. Because there's other people in Egypt that need to be brought out. Amen? Father, each of these cards represent a family and a life that you will bring change to. And you will receive praise. Nothing more fulfilling, Lord, Lord, than to partner with you. And so today we choose as we leave this house to drink deeply from the cup of fulfillment, the cup of Hillel. And we partner with what you're doing in this city. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.